We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. And we're good. So welcome in, everybody. Happy Easter. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, um, there's a few different storylines that I wanted to pick your brain on tonight and, of course, find out what everybody in the chat thinks as well um but the first thing i want to open with really quick is what you made of the jake heaps tweet now on the surface it's quite innocuous right it's just a guy that's kind of doing a i don't know what you would call it a flex hey look what we did but the timing of it i'll, I'll pull it up and show it to you guys if if it wasn't for the timing of it I probably wouldn't have even brought it to the attention of Broncos fans. I wouldn't have written about it. We wouldn't be talking about it tonight. But the fact that he tweeted this after everything that's been done and said by Sean Payton about the removing him from the whole inside the building thing, the timing of him tweeting what we'll show you here uh, on the doorstep, basically the Broncos kicking off Sean Payton's inaugural OTAs is suspect. But what do you think? Am I making too much of it? Well, I think what you said uh, kind of hit the nail on the head in the building. From what we understand, Sean Payton has barred, and we don't even know if he barred Jake Heaps entirely from working with Russell Wilson, but they weren't in Broncos headquarters. They were away from the facility, and maybe Sean has no problem with Russell Wilson seeking outside help, you know, if it's not in Dove Valley walls. The bigger takeaway here, though, Chad, is that Russell Wilson, like we've been talking about for a few weeks, if not a month, he looks better physically. He looks slimmed down. He looks like he's in better shape. But and I'm no psychologist. I'm no Dr. Phil. It seems like he's a little better off psychologically as well, mentally, emotionally. He's smiling there. I know it's an off-season picture, and he's smiling for the camera, but those are the things away from the football field, away from the tangibles, throwing the ball, taking a hit, whatever. The mental aspect, the human element was lost to so many people, and I think it had a major effect on his play last year. It seems like he's in better spirits now. Yeah, I mean, um, the fact that it's coming on the doorstep of training camp, I do draw some implications from that. It's almost like a poking the bear type thing. But at the same time, Zach, of course, Sean Payton uh, expects, especially his quarterbacks, but all of his players to train in the offseason, many of whom either go to a facility and uh, pay for the services of an expert there to train with, or they'll you know, commission someone to work with them privately, a one-on-one -on -one coach. In the case of quarterbacks, Zach, that's often how it goes. Although, as I think back on it, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember if there was a guy that Peyton Manning leaned on. I guess David Cutcliffe at Duke is a guy that he would he would go to, but it wasn't like his everyday dude that he was training with. You know, he would take, <clears throat> pardon me, specific trips out to the East Coast. Him and his brother Eli, they'd go out, they'd train. I think Sean Payton expects his quarterback to do, obviously, to keep in shape, work out, keep honing his craft in the offseason. And if this is the guy that Russell Wilson is going to choose to continue to, to work with on that front, I doubt Sean Payton is honestly Zach losing any sleep over that because it's not on his turf it's not on his watch so to speak 
But it's almost like, you know what? The Broncos are going to be back in the news cycle in a matter of days. And this is like Jake Heaps. Maybe I gave him what he wanted, Zach. Maybe I put him back into the news cycle. That's what he wanted. He just wanted to kind of get his name back front and center. Well, look at that second hashtag there. It's kind of um, inauspicious. Make them notice. You know, maybe there's something to it. Maybe Jay keeps his subtweeting or trolling whatever Sean Payton a little bit. But the way I read the situation, it's the school's out for now. Once the OTAs roll around, once they're all back in the building, school's in and Sean Payton is the headmaster. So maybe Russ can get away with it now, but I feel like once he's in Dove Valley headquarters, that's Sean Payton's baby, and Jake Jake Heaps has to uh, take a back seat. Yeah, uh, that's just uh, that's just the score. That's just the score. It's interesting too because you know I know that there are NFL regulations, Zach, that um, delineate how much time under contract position coaches can work with players, et cetera. In fact, you know, there's strictures surrounding that. So for a guy like Russell Wilson, who has the most complex job of the positions, right? If you're talking about different football positions, it's juggling the most complex, a lot of different technical nuances to it. He's got to find someone to work with in the offseason. Why not Jake Heaps? But at the same time, if Jake Heaps is trying to kind of keep this um this kind of I don't know, not animosity. It's it's uh opposition uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, it escapes me right now, but maybe he would be advised Russell Wilson. I know he's got a relationship with this dude that goes back to Seattle and whatnot, but maybe he'd be advised to seek out his new head coach's advice on perhaps, Hey, who do you like? Who do you know? Who did breeze work with? You know, maybe try and shake things up a little bit because if the best predictor of the, of the future is the past heaps, if you look at his tenure working with Russ specifically, like the, the epoch of that uh, union hasn't been the greatest results for us. So like, I would think he'd want to be amenable to the idea of maybe looking elsewhere for other possibilities, especially Zach, if you quote unquote, Hey coach Peyton, I want to be coached. You know, I want to be coached and you're trying to ingratiate yourself to the new shot caller. You know who's not amenable to Russ is Drew Brees, who you just mentioned. Remember when Sean talked about that he kept blowing him up so much that it was almost annoying, and he had had to go to Sean and be like, listen, can this guy back off a little bit? Um, But you're right. He has to find the guy he's comfortable with, and if it can help his game, you know, so be it. But the question I pose to the situation, and I know much ado was made of Jake Heaps, and maybe he's not the right guy for us, but was Jake Heaps the reason why, singularly the reason why Russ fell off last year? Was he the reason why the Broncos offense was so mediocre? I don't think so. He was no. way low on the list of problems for the Broncos last year. Yeah, he's just uh, a symptom. You know, he was uh, his influence, his impact, it's more a symptom of what was really going on there. Um, just no, no top-down vision. Uh, you know, it's kind of the, the phrase that comes to mind is not politically correct to throw out there anymore, which I understand. Uh, but it's like, um, you know, it's t- too many, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Maybe that one's in, in politically incorrect too. I'm just getting myself into hot water here, but, uh, Zach, real quick, shout out to Chris chances, jumping in with an early super chat, brother. You are the man. He says, Chad, Zach Scott, still the best in the business. Very kind. And uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in early as well. Love you, big dog. Appreciate you every single night because, you know, Zach and I, we are your football priests. Every night that we're on the stream, we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. Sometimes we're just here to help you get things off your chest, exercise those demons. And Mike, you're always here with us to uh, help get that process along. So really appreciate you. Miguel as well throwing down. Good to see you, my friend. And yes, happy Easter to everybody. Hope you've had an, uh, an, a good day enjoying your families and uh, celebrating the reason for for which, uh, you know, Easter is is a holiday. So uh, Phil saying and by the way, love you, Phil. Hope you're doing well down in Tucson saying happy Easter. He says, I don't really care what Russ does as long as he produces the dubs. Zach, hashtag Buckham with a B. Go Broncos what it boils down to it's not a sexy answer it doesn't make for much discussion or discourse but i don't care what the broncos wear i don't care who russ works with i don't care uh, how much of a robot he can be in front of the media as long as the broncos win that is the bottom line point blank period it really is it really is um 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's grab this from Nick real quick. Good to see you, Nick Hale in the house. Says, Jake Heaps needs to be shown the door. He was hyped as a college player, never lived up to his ability, and it seems... He's not much better as a training coach, MHH for life, sub and like people. Yes. Thank you, Nick, for that reminder. You know, I don't know. Look, he couldn't, he couldn't cut the mustard, um, as they say, as a, as a quarterback. So as many of those guys, Zach, are, are want to do, they fall back on coaching if they're going to continue to pursue football. And sometimes guys are just so passionate about it, knowledgeable that it just, that's it makes too much sense for him to just go into coaching like Brett Rippon, Zach. That's probably something that one day awaits him. Um, and in the case of uh, this cat, Jake keeps though, if you, if you shall, uh, it's appropriate for today. If you shall judge them by their fruits. All right. What does that tell us? How should we judge Jake heaps? If that's how we're supposed to decipher uh, competency uh, value, et cetera, as a private throwing coach. You brought up Brett Rippon. That's what I was thinking, and it's kind of just a theory or an idea. It might be too off the wall, but I feel like Rust making him his private quarterbacks coach, if Brett Rippon wants to delve into that arena, I think that maybe would serve Russell Wilson better than someone like Jake Heaps, who goes back to Seattle with Russ, but he's not in Seattle anymore. Maybe shaking it up a little bit is the right move, but I think, again, once they get back into school, so to speak, and once OTA start, that's Sean Payton's operation, and he'll be the main quarterbacks coach. It's unfortunate um, that Brett Rippon um, was not brought back to the Broncos. It's, uh, but you know, it's. I think at the end of the day, Zach, that's just the way the cookie crumbled. He brought you very, very low-level backup quarterback um, wherewithal to the table. Really, really strong football brain. I never would have guessed he would have been as fiery as he ended up becoming. In Denver, and just today, in fact, I was talking with a, a friend of mine and a colleague who covers the Dallas Cowboys in in Texas, and he's going, "Hey, why is Dalton Reisner still available? What's the deal on this?" Because you know, the perception of Reisner from the outside looking in, from people who haven't covered his every single snap from the time he came to Denver, was, "Hey, really impressive guy that shined, uh, you know, impressed everybody at the combine." We've we've told that story uh, on the podcast many times. Form a second high second round pick. Why is this dude languishing entering his fifth year? Why isn't he being just scooped up on the quick? And you know, there's a few reasons that I shared with him, but I also said, Look, this is a guy who put hands on a quarterback uh, in front of the cameras uh, last year on Christmas, uh, (laughs) yes, on Christmas, no less. And of course, that person was surprised to see that it was Brett Rippon and Brett Rippon being fired up and all that. So, anyway, I like Brett Rippon, I hope he lands on his feet, but. The NFL might be telling him, hey, dude, no no room left at the end for you, and he might have to make his own decision here pretty soon on what comes next. And, you know, to be fair, like walking in the, in the footsteps of Mike Kafka and Ken Dorsey, coaches like that, 
I wouldn't put it past Kellen Moore. I wouldn't put it past Brett Rippon to maybe carve out a nice career for himself if he again, you know, uh, waddles into that into that lane. Yeah, especially uh, Boise State quarterbacks, man. They just they don't quite cut it at the next level, but they got some chops. Lawrence Rivera saying, "What do you guys think of Chad Kelly and his interview on Pardon My Take?" So I'm not sure if there's a new one, like a more recent one, Lawrence, that you're talking about. Um, but I did watch some clips of that conversation, or at least one of them, not long after the uh, Grey Cup was won, if I remember right. I'm trying – I don't keep, like, super tight tabs on swag. Um, but, Zach, do you know of a newer part of my take no. conversation? I, I don't watch PMT personally. I didn't see this interview, so you all have to we'll fill me in on what he said. But I'm sure it was entertaining knowing Chad Kelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh I'm trying to remember some of the things he said, but, uh, of course, yeah, I remember the big thing was he was saying that he was comparing himself to a bunch of quarterbacks who were employed in the NFL, uh, including starters and backups saying he was better than this starter on this team, better than this starter on this team. And, you know, just doing the Chad Kelly flex thing and then we'll grab Keith. To be fair, though, you and I both agreed. A lot of people agreed. He was looking like he could have been something. It's still unfortunate that, the Halloween party had to happen and he screwed himself out of a job because he was showing real moxie as a starting quarterback or a potential one. Dude, he was literally like two weeks away from John always saying to heck with it. Let's see what he can yeah. do. Cause case Keenum was not working out. Uh, Keith, what's up brother. Good to see you. Appreciate you being in the chat, being supportive. He says, does Russ sticking with the same coach, throw water on him saying that he was going to do a lot of self-reflection. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a limit to to guys like Russ that are still not that far away from being at the peak of their of their game and being like on that NFL Mount Olympus, you know, just being like it's they I'm going to do some hard uh, look myself in the mirror, do some self-reflection and some deep thoughts, but like there's a limit to that because hubris you have to have hubris Zach to uh, do what they do in the league. And in a sense, as much as that can be a, an asset, you got to have it. It can also be a weakness that prevents you from maybe fully going through and being as uh, clinical about yourself as, as you maybe need to be. And so, yes, Keith, I think this is uh, at least part and parcel of him showing that there's a limit to what that self-reflection is. Well, remember what Sean said at the um, at the combine i think it was or sometime relatively recently where there was a lot of people's fingerprints on what went wrong with the offense last year it wasn't just one person so to ask russ to totally self um self-destruct you know sabotage in terms of breaking himself down and building himself back up that's unfair because it wasn't solely him i think he's already started that process though by losing a little weight he looks better i think in better shape it's just a general observation hopefully he's in a better place psychologically mentally like we mentioned but i don't think jake heaps was the reason why last year happened so if that's the constant from last year i think that's an okay one to keep going was this Scott, this uh, scout.com, was that a li- was that from like his scouting report, Chad Kelly? Or are you just joshing? Because I'm, I'm tempted to, to read this. Because he does seem like, quote, the player most likely to get his, you know what, beat by his teammates. Like from the outside looking in, it seems like maybe Chad Kelly's shtick wouldn't maybe Zach resonate with everybody. But at the same time, when he, when he landed in Denver, all I can speak to is the experience when he was here. Uh, and when he came to Denver, remember, he was drafted injured, and he basically redshirted his rookie year. And it was his second year that he started to make waves and basically uh, made Paxton Lynch uh, expendable, et cetera. And you could tell that, like, even though he was pushing the envelope and trying to be assertive and all that as a quarterback, you could tell that he was, like, trying to be one of the dudes and be friends with people and, like, trying to – you know, fit in, I guess, for lack of a better term. But I would be very curious to know how some of those guys really felt about him. Well, Chad Kelly got his ass beat by a guy with a vacuum cleaner. I I, I think that scouting report is fairly spot on. I mean, million-dollar talent, 10-cent head, what could have been. Indeed. Uh, but you know what? Seriously, like, I feel the same way about just about every Bronco that, that comes through uh, and former Bronco. Like, I do end up, trying to at least keep tabs on on where they go and when they succeed i i 
want to give him props because he uh Chad Kelly, he's got a he's got a Canadian football ring, and it wasn't just as a backup, like he was a backup for most of that season. Um, but in the uh Grey Cup, he had to come in and he played what was it, two quarters, and uh was a big reason that his team was able to come out on top and, and win that. So like without him, he's kind of like a short term uh, version for them of Brock Osweiler. It's like, <laughs> do you get to the super, do you win the super bowl without him? Probably not, but don't give him more credit than, you know, is, is necessary. Well, let's hope he's not throwing any fumbles like Osweiler used to do in terms of ex Broncos having success, Chad. I did see that Philip Lindsay playing for, the Seattle Sea Dragons actually had his first rushing touchdown. So big props to Phil. I'll always root for him. I don't care about the league. I still think he should get another shot in the NFL. So I'm happy for him. Me too. There we go. Me too. Yeah. Mike, uh, Mike helping us keep tabs on the Colorado kid. I, man, maybe, uh, maybe I've been in dereliction of duty, but I have not watched any XFL. Have you watched any of the no, games? I haven't either. You know, it's like you get to the spring and by now you start jonesing for football. At least, you know, speaking for myself. So maybe I should start. I just forget that it's there, dude. I forget mm -hmm. that it's available to us. So I got to remember to check out some XFL. I've never nothing's ever quite resonated with me like the NFL has in terms of college ball or other sports leagues, like other alternate football leagues. I'm an NFL guy. So to me, it's the offseason rolling in April. All right. So here's another uh, storyline. Zach, that I want to pick your brain on. I think it's funny, and I think it just adds to the milieu, I guess, between the Broncos and, and the AFC West rivals. But Tim Patrick, who uh, is coming back from uh, missing all of last season with a torn ACL, he joined uh, what is it, the uh, Broncos Avenue podcast recently. And, Zach, he got, uh, he got talking about the Chiefs and the Raiders, and I want to – Read this. I'm looking at my phone because, again, I can't pull up another tab or else it slows down the stream. So uh, I'm just going to look for my phone. Here's what he said, though, Zach. Quote, on the, the topic of the Raiders and Chiefs. Quote, I don't like either of them, honestly. They both do it in different ways. The Chiefs do it in a cocky way. They have every right to be cocky, but to be cocky and not good, it rubs me the wrong way. I'm not a fan of the Raiders. I'm not a fan of the Chiefs. The Chiefs are cocky little SHI, you know what's close quote. So, Zach, your thoughts on uh, Tim Patrick's remarks? I understand them and I do like the fire. Um, it makes for good offseason fodder, kind of intensifies the rivalry. But the Broncos haven't beat Kansas City, Chad, in what feels like an eon. And um, I don't see Kansas City being all that cocky personally. I don't see Mahomes being a cocky player, maybe Travis Kelsey. And maybe Chris Jones, but I have a lot of respect for Mahomes, a lot of respect for Andy Reid, and they just won another Super Bowl. They're allowed to kind of have their their flexing moment. The Raiders are a different story, though. That's the thing is, it's almost like you know I don't blame him for uh, venting a little bit, but it's kind of like sour grapes because look, dude, what is it? Week two? I've lost count of the number of games. Honestly, is it thirteen? <laughs> is it fourteen? They have not, the Broncos, defeated the Chiefs since week two of the 2015 season. Um, so that's sobering. And then you add to that, Zach, the Raiders have swept them three years straight, six straight victories for the Raiders over the Broncos. And you're going, what the heck is going on? Which, again, it's all symptomatic of this bad juju uh, that the Walton Penner group is trying to blow out of Denver. They're, you know, it's like a rain cloud that's hovered over this this city and they're trying to blow it out of there um with sean payton and all the other acquisitions that have been made this offseason but you know it's one of those things where hey he was asked he said what he's going to yeah. say but you know let it do do your talking on the grass and snap these ignominious streaks because they are that gum embarrassing I think you're spot on. It is sour grapes, but I will add that it's nice to have someone with that type of dog, that type of attitude kind of speaking out. The Broncos were a very, very soft team last year, and they desperately needed someone like TP and his uh, his edge. I'm excited to see him come back and uh, what he can bring to the table. And honestly, too, the one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough with Tim Patrick, Zach, is his uh, intangible impact on the team as a leader and just – as an inspiration and a glue guy. So that'll be fun. Um, but 
He is going to wear a knee brace, apparently, and we saw what Cortland Sutton looked like after he wore a knee brace with that ACL. So hopefully uh, Patrick can come back to looking to prior form right away, but it does take time with those injuries. There was, a, you know, I'm a big fan, uh, always have been, of Woody Page, and obviously he's a guy that, you know, roots run deep uh, in Denver, been in the market for decades, literally. Very close is, is Woody with John Elway. And so after John last week, you know, the news breaks, he's officially parting ways with the Broncos, his contract as a consultant uh, expired, and he's going to go spend time with his kids and grandkids, Zach, he's going to go see some of the sites in the in parts of the world that he's always wanted to see, he's going to play some golf, uh, but it was a really, really good column from Woody in the Denver Gazette over this weekend, um, kind of lionizing John and, you know, talking to John and asking him, about what is, you know, is five, what was it seven? Of course it was seven. His seven, you know, most iconic moments that he'll cherish as a Broncos guy. Cause, you know, 40 years, let's say 28 years, when you count 16 as a player, 12 as a as an executive. That's how many years John Elway has given to the Denver Broncos. Um, and of course he landed in Denver 40 years ago, 1983. So 28 of those years he gave to the Broncos. And, of course, it didn't end well, Zach, the last seven years since Super Bowl 50, been some dark, dark times. Woody Page, in, a, in that interesting column, there's a lot of noteworthy things, so go give it a read when you can. But the thing that I wanted to write about and pass on to MHH readers was his direct questions, Zach, to Elway about what he hopes his legacy will be. You know, what's, what do you think your legacy is going to be or what do you hope that it's going to be? And I want to read to you his answer real quick. Quote, this is Elway talking to Page. Quote, good question. I've always let everyone else frame that answer. My thoughts are the Broncos have always been loyal to me, and I always have been loyal to the Broncos. As a player and an executive, uh, they gave 28 years, and I hope I gave back to the Broncos and the fans for all my 28 years. It didn't end as well as I hoped, and I made mistakes, but we did win another Super Bowl. Most important is the great relationships I've fostered in my 40 years in Colorado. Everyone wants to be remembered for being good at their craft. I'm proud of what we all have accomplished together. I did everything to be the best I could, close quote. So he didn't really answer um, exactly what he hopes his legacy because he's right. That's not for him to decide. That's for fans. That's for media. That's for, you know, that, that has to happen organically. But I think, Zach, the sooner the Broncos – get back to the business of winning, all right, and start separating, put a little distance between the modern current moment and these seven dark years, the more people are going to start looking back on uh, Elway's time in the front office with the respect that he deserves. Again, seven years sucked, but five straight division titles, right, two Super Bowl berths, and bring in, as he mentioned and emphasized, another world championship to the Broncos. I think that will eventually be how his legacy is viewed, but it's going to take some time. I'm spot on. You used a really good word to open your remarks there, lionized. And I was thinking, Elway deserves to be lionized. And what's surprising is there's so much pushback because fans remember, it's what have you done for me lately? So fans remember how he left the team and not what he did during his time with the team. I mean, he is as legendary as you'll ever see for one franchise. Brought them three Super Bowls, one as a player, two as a player, one as an executive. Went to two Super Bowls as an executive as well. I mean, you could not ask for more. He recruited paid men to Denver, kind of changed the whole course of Broncos history. He deserves his flowers, and I think your spot for Freaking on! Once the Broncos go back to being a relevant and competent team, they'll all remember Elway, you know, the fond way again. Look, people go, oh, you know, Elway had it easy. He he had Peyton Manning. That's how you explain the five straight division titles. That's how you explain the Super Bowls. It's like, well, yeah, that makes uh, any GM's job, Zach, heck of a lot easier. But guess what? You got to give John Elway all the credit for getting Peyton Manning to Denver. Because he was literally the biggest fish in the history of NFL free agency. And if John Elway doesn't play it the way he played it with Peyton in that recruitment process, he probably goes to Tennessee. He probably goes to Houston or maybe he tries the NFC. You know, there were a lot of obviously uh, uh, different interested suitors. Denver, it was funny because when it, it was first announced, I remember uh, like it was yesterday, Zach, breaking news, Colts release Peyton Manning 
after 14 seasons. And I'm thinking, all right. And people start talking, oh, could you land it? Nah, Denver's not even. And then the reports come out. Broncos are one of the teams expected to uh, express interest in Peyton Manning. And you're thinking, well, no, nah, you, you got the Tim Tebow thing. You're fresh on the heels of that Tebow season. You made the playoffs. You won a playoff game. You had John Elway in his end-of-season presser saying that Tim Tebow earned the right to be considered the starter going into next season. But then John Elway turned on the juice, man. He turned on the gas and went after him. But what he did that was separated the Broncos from all the other suitors that tried to pitch Peyton Manning was he made that pitch. Here's why we think you would be the best with us. And then he let it go. If you love him, let's set him free. Right. And that's what he did. And so Peyton came back to him. Uh, whereas everyone else was trying to hard sell. They're trying to pressure him. They're trying to strong arm him. They're doing all these things. So even though it's easy to say Zach, that without Peyton Manning, you know, John Elway as a front office guy doesn't achieve any of what he achieved in that first five years. Um, you you have to give him credit for getting Peyton Manning here. That's and and if you give him credit for that, then everything else falls at his feet as well. Even if you discredit uh, the Peyton Manning recruitment, which is ridiculous on its face, um, he still built super teams. That was John Elway's doing. The 2014 free agent class, for example. All the UDFAs that Elway personally found and uh, hand-selected signed as well. How about what won the Broncos, Chad, SB50? Their defense. He oversaw the hiring of Wade Phillips. He had an amazing and has an amazing eye for football talent and ability, and he should be remembered for the successes he brought to the organization and not the later year failures. Exactly. Um, Michaela jumping in with a very generous super chat on Easter. Thank you. We love the Duchess of MHH. Your jersey, by the way, your Tim Patrick jersey. Um, That order is in. I'm sure it'll be on the way this week. So love you. Appreciate you. She's saying happy Easter to the whole MHH fam. And Michaela, thank you so much. I'm curious what your thoughts are like right now, if you had to write Michaela, the, the lasting legacy of John Elway, the front office guy in Denver, what would it be? What, what is his legacy? Um, Zach, you bring up, uh, oops, you bring up the two different Super Bowl teams, which, you know, it's an achievement in and of itself to get there uh, twice in three seasons. But the complexion of those two different teams were so wildly different. Yes. Both quarterback by Peyton Manning, but the 2013 team, that was the, you know, 55 touchdowns. Uh, what was it? 606 points, still single season record. All the big offensive stuff. By the time they got to the Super Bowl, their defense was literally, it was obliterated. Everyone that had talent, dude, was on injured reserve, including Von Miller, Chris Harris. Um, it's far enough back now that I, I can't remember everybody, but they had something like seven, was it seven starters? not playing in the Super Bowl, et cetera. And then, of course, they get trucked, man, right in the, in the grill. You know, the, the Seattle Seahawks do the, the Mike Tyson approach and just, bam, everyone's got a plan until you're popped right in the teeth. And they go down, don't recover, fast forward. John Elway goes, okay, that sucked. Got to rethink this. And as a roster architect, he rebuilt this in a completely different image, right? It's not that he uh, disregarded offense. It's that he bolstered the spots on offense that needed to be and went out and spent money on dogs that could come in and upgrade this defense. And arguably one of his savviest signings of that 2014 class was DeMarcus Ware, not only for the direct impact that he had on the team, Zach, but his influence on Von Miller, who it could be argued never recovers from being the screw up that he had become at the time in the eyes of the NFL with the, the drug stuff and the suspensions if you don't sign to Marcus where maybe you don't get that version back of Von Miller that then goes on to even greater heights and leads your team as tip of the spear, Super Bowl 50. So John Elway, look, after that, couldn't get almost anything right when it came to the critical, pivotal decisions. But I still, my, my perspective of his legacy is focused on that. And the iconic, this one's for Pat, dude, like seriously, you catch me at the right time when I watch that clip. And my arms will light up with with goosebumps. It was so uh, emotional. Duchess says with answer to the question of the legacy. And thank you for the second super chat tonight. She says he has a great legacy. Three Super Bowls. Was he perfect? No. But who is that? 
I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, how are we even debating what John Elway's legacy is? How does anyone dispute that? You know, Chad, I lived in South Florida for 25 years of my life. And let me tell you who's revered down there like he's God. And that's Dan Marino Marino, from the old Dolphins teams. He never won the Dolphins jack squat. John Elway brought Denver and the Broncos franchise three Super Bowls, one as a non-player, one as an executive. You know how hard that is to transition from player to exec? It's almost impossible. He did it, recruited the best quarterback, I think, of all time, and then put those super teams together. Yeah, he didn't pick the right coach. Yeah, he whipped on a quarterback or two, but his legacy is indelible, and it's untouchable, and I think indisputable. Lionize this dude uh, for real. Give him a statue outside of the stadium. That's what I think they ought to do. Um, Because here's another thing, and this isn't to make excuses for John Elway because we all know where he went wrong. But his plan from the time he landed, and Pat Bowen said, hey, come come be my guy. This Josh McDaniels business sucked. You know, we're a couple years out from me firing Mike Shanahan. Come in and help me save this thing. And John Elway's initial plan was, man, I – I'm just biding my time till I can get Gary Kubiak here. But he couldn't right away because Kub was still employed by the Texans. And then after he ends up getting fired, um, you know, he he spent, did Kubiak one year in between being fired from the Texans and coming to Denver with the Baltimore Ravens as their offensive coordinator because John Elway could have gone out and brought him in then, right? He could have brought him in in 2014. Uh, but the Broncos had just come off a Super Bowl, right? And even though it was an ugly embarrassing loss to the Seahawks like John Fox in two uh three seasons at that point had done nothing but deliver three consecutive AFC crowns and a Super Bowl berth so that's not really PR juju you want to mess with let alone tempt the football gods uh, but eventually he got Gary Kubiak I'm being a little long-winded here and when he did that was the plan man that was he and Gary were gonna you know carry the torch forward for Pat Bolin till kingdom come and then Gary, two years in, says, nah, I'm out. And he had to rethink the whole thing, and then he just couldn't get that right. So I often wonder what would have happened in the aftermath of even 2016 if Gary Kubiak right. does not step down. No, I wasn't long-winded. That was a really good point and good contrast to the conversation here. Michaela's saying no one's perfect. I'm even thinking, talking about transitioning from player to executive, the John Lynch situation in san francisco he was hyped up as the next great gm and he has a great head coach in kyle shanahan i like a lot what they're doing there but what have they won not much i I mean not a super bowl they haven't done what elway did with the organization so his legacy is already written like chad said put that on a t-shirt lionize this man hashtag seven the niners have been the no cigar team lately right close but no cigar close but no cigar and the Broncos know what that's like, right? Broncos fans who are old enough to remember know that feeling, man. In the 80s, close, no cigar. You know, the Broncos were the Bills of the 80s. Bills, close, but no cigar in the 90s. Um, and Dan Marino, outside of his second year, leading the Dolphins to a Super Bowl, which they lost, and having a phenomenal season on the way there, that was the touchdown record that stood till Brady broke it in 2007. 48 touchdowns. And that stood for, what was it, twenty a quarter of a century? It stood Dan Marino's single-season touchdown record, and then Brady beat it by one. Uh, was it one? 49 or – yeah, 49. And then Peyton, of course, a few years later got 55. And even the great Patrick Mahomes has not yet been able to break that record. Bobby Digital in the house. What's up, bro? Thank you for joining us on Easter, spending some of your Easter evening with your football priests. Appreciate it, bud. He says, hello, Priest. Always glad to catch you guys live. Hashtag MHH. Thank you, big dog. Connect with us uh, on Twitter. We like to keep the conversation going there, although it can be at times a very toxic uh, sector. So beware of that. George, bro, throwing down some stars. Thank you, my friend. Means a lot to us. He says, Zach, does George. John was and is the greatest Bronco in our history of the team. Dev Bronx for life, MHH for life. Hit the thumbs up, guys. Yes, please do. Hit that thumbs up if you're on Facebook or uh, YouTube. I mean, I don't think it can be debated that he is John Elway. Just take away his front office stuff. Like, he is the most pivotal figure in the history of the franchise. Then you throw in that he brought a third ring to the team as an executive, and it's like, 
that's just not a legacy, Zach, that will ever, ever be touched. And right now, Broncos fans are still, um, you know, traumatized and down and out because of these last seven years. But uh, just remember what John Elway did, right? He brought you another Super Bowl. Not long, Zach, on the heels of the embarrassment of the Josh McDaniels era. Not only did he blow that bad juju out with a, with gusto, but got you back to the top of the mountain. David McElrath, the Papa Bear, as he is known, saying, can Elway make the Hall of Fame as an executive? Just ask, uh, asking, hashtag Buckham times two. Thank you for the super chat, David. Um, I don't know what the rules are on that, Zach. I mean, he's already in the Hall as a player. Um I don't know. That's a good. That'd be like a good question for Andrew Mason of uh, the fan. He's he's a great NFL historian that knows the answer to some of those questions. Well, you know, on Twitter, I don't know if you've seen it, but some people post like a picture of a team, like a logo, and they ask like, "Who's the first person that comes to mind when you see this logo?" If you posted that for the Broncos, everyone's going to say John Elway. So legacy written, conversation over, no discussion. Yeah. KB. Our friend and uh, MHH Emeritus in the house saying, what's up, fellas? Hope you're having a great Easter, by the way, Kenny. If you want to start a fight in Denver, walk up to a group of people at a sports bar and say, John Elway sucks. LOL. Elway has Marino's uh, Marino numbers if he gets Shanahan instead of Reeves as a coach. Great point. That's a great point. And you know what's crazy about that too, Kenny, is when he retired, he still had – some of the best numbers of all time in the league. Uh, and he didn't get Mike Shanahan. He had Shanahan for a short time in the eighties, but the entire time Dan Reeves was working against them and trying to, he was so paranoid about Mike Shanahan trying to usurp him as head coach uh, that he would continue. He would just like put obstacles in their way. And then eventually when Shanahan uh, comes to Denver, what did he get? Zach, he got 95, 96, 97, 98. So he got four of his 16 years. So a quarter of his career was 100% influenced offensively by Mike Shanahan. And then you can throw in those couple of years. Shanahan was there in the 80s, one of which was that ugly Super Bowl blowout, uh, 55-10 to the Niners, et cetera. But again, even though Shanahan was the OC back then, he did not have full 100% control because Dan Reeves kept interrupting and sabotaging them in the weirdest way. Marino can keep his numbers. Elway's got the rings, and that's what's more important. So, again, conversation over. But you know what? Something Dan Marino has that John Elway doesn't. He's got some film credits. All right. This is a cat that starred in <laughs> Ace Ventura. In fact, he was the MacGuffin, um, you know, plot center in that movie. And what's interesting, the reason I bring it up is in that same column, the interview Elway gave to uh, Woody Page. He somehow it gets brought up that, you know, when when he moved from Montana to California, Southern California as a kid, and whatnot with his dad and his family, you know, the, the the good looking, young, blonde haired dude, like maybe I'll become an actor someday or whatever. He's like, yeah, maybe I would want to pursue being an actor or something. And he was saying this seriously to uh, I don't have it right in front of me. So I don't have the perfect context. But um, and uh, he's friends, Zach, with it. John is with Kevin Costner, who, of course, is the brainchild and star of Yellowstone, which is the wildly popular show. Mm -hmm. uh, and so who knows? Maybe he puts in a call to Kevin Costner as Woody Page uh, speculates and gets himself a, a, a cameo role or some kind of a role, and then he'll have that at least met on Dan Marino. I don't know. You say Dan Marino, an actor, all I hear is laces out, Dan. You know, Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel's Einhorn. That's it. It's, <laughs> it's a classic, man. I love it. Gary Palmer in the house. The swashbuckling GLP. Uh, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate that super chat on an Easter evening. He says, hey, Chad and Zach, we'll catch up later. Just came in to support. Go Broncos, MHH for life. Love that, dude. Thank you very much, my friend. Um, means the world to us, and I hope you know that. Um, let me see here. Yeah, so Scott's bringing up that uh, just for fun. I mean, what do, what do we got? We're in the middle of the offseason. And it's a Sunday night on Easter. Let's get into the weeds a little bit. Bringing up that Dolphins Super Bowl, right, in in 84. Dolphins were big favorites in that game, Zach. Uh, Mr. Producer, for what it's worth, he was in sixth grade. Um, and they came up short in a big, bad way. Never got back to the dance. 
Marino would get to the playoffs um, here and there with the Dolphins after that, Zach, but he could never even come close to getting back to the to the big dance. I think he made it. I think he maybe made it to a. I'll, I'll pull it up. Uh, I think he maybe made it to an AFC title game or two post 1984, but he just never could even come close. Meanwhile, Elway is going to three out of four in the 80s and then back-to-back victories at the end of his career in the 90s and says, adios. You know, Elway had a good supporting cast to help him get there, but Dan Marino did too those years. He had a great group of receivers, and he had, you know, some sort of running game, uh, you know, during part of his uh, peak run in Miami. So, again, it's whoever has the most rings, I feel like, is the the most successful, the guy that I would want leading my team, but undoubtedly both great quarterbacks all time. Okay, so I'm looking at this real quick. All right. 83, his rookie year, uh, 84. Uh, the Dolphins went again in 85, didn't go again till the 90s. In 1990, literally got to the division round, made it to the conference championship in 92. And that was officially the last closest point that Marino was able to lead the Dolphins was conference championship appearance, lost to the Bills in 92. And then before he retired, they had uh, three more playoff appearances. Uh, But a lot of L's, Zach, in the playoffs um, outside of that wildly successful 1984 campaign. So anyway, Dan Marino, that's not taking anything away from him. My best friend, you know, growing up, I was a Broncos Elway guy. He was a Dolphins Marino guy. And we would go back and forth on who's greater. And I got to hang my hat on, Zach, that – the LA was more of a winner and this was before the, the, he actually won the Super Bowl. So he had gone to three Super Bowls. Marino had only been to one, but he got to hang his hat on more stati- uh, statistically prolific. So it was a nice back and forth. Mike, thank you, buddy. Appreciate the stars and the support. As always, you know, this big dog. Um, all right, we're at 44 minutes. So guys, any burning topics that you want to get to get them in the chat. We'll keep it a little bit short tonight. Um, Let's see. Dan, uh, Keith says Dan Reeves perplexed me in the way he went to Atlanta and seemed to do a 180 in his coaching style. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery when it came to Dan Reeves. And he's a guy that, you know, he's he's another fringe. He's perceived, Zach, as a fringe Hall of Fame uh, worthy guy. But I think if you look at his, can you tell the story of the 80s without mentioning Dan Reeves? No, you cannot three Super Bowls in four years, most prolific AFC team of that decade. Get him in. And then he leads another team to a Super Bowl. And ironically, what a twist of fate. It's against his old team and his old, you know, it's like John Elway was in equal measures like his nemesis and like his uh, student. You know what I mean? Like it's really bizarre how the football fates worked out for Dan Reeves. Uh, R.I.P. I think get Mike Shanahan in first, and then we'll talk about Dan Reeves, but definitely two very, very worthy coaches. I'm feeling good about Shanny this next go-round. This next go-round, I'm feeling pretty good about Shanahan's um, prospects, Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> I'm just reading the chat here. Uh, yeah, this is true, KB. Marino doesn't have a video game. Hashtag John Elway football. This is true. OGs know. Um Okay, I'm just taking a, a perusal here, Zach, before we let, – let's grab this from Keith, too. Keith's got some good topics he keeps throwing in. How many elite quarterbacks uh, have gone on to be winners in the front office? John is elite. None. Zero. Dan Marino, ironically, back to Dan, they tried that, mm-hmm. and um, he didn't last. He relinquished the job. He goes, I'm not cut out for this uh, later. And he left. That was it. Left him holding the bag. You know, there are – most most Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they made so much money in the in the league, and they gave so much to it as players, Zach. That they're going, um, I'm done with football. I'm going to go enjoy the fruits of my labors. John Elway was such a sick maniac when it came to football, and you know he's up there with the Michael Jordans in the world as far as competitive weirdoness, like just weirdo competitive stuff that is like next level. Maybe even he, though, Zach, doesn't um, go go back to the league as an executive if not for the his father figure uh, in the late Pat Bolin really 
twisting his arm in kind of a way to say, I need you come help me, John. So, you know, the stars just align perfectly for that, but he's, he's alone in that Keith for what it's worth. No other quarterbacks. In fact, Zach, if you look at former players, whether they were good or not hall of famers or not, I mean, Ozzie Newsom is the only other former player of note to go on to win a Super Bowl as a GM that I'm think that I can think of off the top of my head. I might be, I might be omitting somebody, but Gila, thank you for the super sticker. You're awesome, bro. Thank you very much. Uh, saying I've been out of pocket for a few days, but glad to catch you live um, tonight. Yes, happy Easter, by the way, for those who celebrate the holiday. Much love. And from what I remember, I'm not sure that Marino was like the GM of the Dolphins. I think he had some VP title or some yeah. higher executive title. Elway yep. was doing the nitty gritty, the day in, day out work and built the Broncos into what they were in the mid 2010s. So right. tough job, hard to do. And Elway accomplished it again. Legacy written. Love it. Um, guys, this has been a fun Easter stream. We've we've gone down some rabbit holes. We spent most of our our time here talking about Elway and for good reason. Um, but guys, a parting message. I mean, most of the time I'm trying to tell you, go read our stuff at milehighhuddle.com. But do yourself a favor, a good Sunday read. If you haven't checked it out, is that column by Woody Page at the Denver Gazette. Don't miss that. Go Go read that. For the heart, for the true hardcore Bronco fans, you're going to want to read that. And thank you all for tuning in with us tonight on another wonderful installment of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. Uh, you can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, Buckham merch, anything we have on the MHH inventory list check out mhhmerch.com i promise you guys get stuff in there and also on facebook.com slash mile huddle pod be sure you're liking that page and following that page if you're on instagram follow us at mile underscore high underscore huddle if you haven't guys and gals go to apple Podcasts and leave your football pre a five star review for a chance to win some of that aforementioned merch each and every single month but please Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen. Love each and every one of you. Uh, shout out to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight, starting with the Duchess, Michaela Parker, Chris Chances, Bobby Digital, David McElrath, Gary Palmer, the Swashbuckler, Gila Maples, and on Facebook, Michael Ronquillo, Phil McLaughlin, Lawrence Rivera, Keith Brugman, Miguel Santistevan, George Fox. Much love and respect. Had a blast uh, talking with you tonight. Enjoy what remains of your Easter. Enjoy your families. Zach and I back in the saddle tomorrow night. Stoked. Can't wait to see you. See y'all then. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.